Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. We have heard over the last number of months, uh, endlessly, actually way more than months, we have heard now over the last number of years, years and years and years about government and money and funding and taxes and raising taxes or lowering taxes, raising funding, lowering funding, and it's not going to stop. But the question that I had when I started hearing today again about tax cuts or funding cuts or whatever else was, it was not all that long ago that we actually could afford to pay for the programs that our governments had, I think in large measure because we didn't do everything. The government wasn't expected to do everything. And I'm, and every time now there's a cut and, or a proposed cut, we hear people talk about how this is going to, someone's going to die. Someone's life is going to be ruined. So how did we 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, how did people get by without the government intervening as much as it does right now? Well, for starters, there was a much stronger work, work ethic at play. Um, and there was a much stronger um, sense of personal responsibility. I really believe that. I, I think that uh, both of those things have uh, diminished significantly with, uh, with generations that have come um, after those who maybe would be, uh, maybe we would consider them the baby boomers, uh, I'm thinking. Um, and if that's true, are, is that work ethic irrevocably lost or can we find that again? Well, I, I'm always hopeful. <laughs> sure. I'm always hopeful. It, what it takes is, you know, any type of... Uh, uh, of large societal change, it, it, it just it starts with a few people and it builds and it builds and it builds from there. I don't know if we have that kind of time left. I'm a little concerned, uh, but maybe, maybe shocking people. And I, look at I'm right off the, the skip here. I am not in favor of the kinds of things that that uh, the Doug Ford government is talking about doing. Um, I am in favor of fiscal responsibility. I don't like that governments waste money or mismanage my tax dollars. So the problem there, of course, I'm going a little off track. No, that's fine. The, the, the problem with that, of course, is that, you know, sometimes there's a, a left-leaning spending government in place, and sometimes there's a fiscally conservative government in place. The problem we have in Ontario right now, of course, as everybody knows, is we've had a you know, a tax and spend government in place for, for many, many years. Big on promises about making everything great, the healthcare system, the education system, just, you know, we'll just give us more money, we'll, get, we'll bolster these things, and it'll be great. Of course, none of those promises it, it came to pass. But now we've got a conservative government led by Fred Flintstone um, coming in and saying we, we've got to make cuts. The truth is, that's I believe that's real, that we do need to... To, to make some cuts, but how we make them is, is very important. And, and I, sitting outside just as a lowly taxpayer, I don't have a real uh, strong look at the book, so I don't really know where the government's wasting all this money. All I know is that by increasing kindergarten class sizes to 35, that's not going to help us raise stronger, smarter Ontarians or Canadians. Um, cutting health care is, is totally insane. I mean, you know, you've got to, all bias aside, I'm married to a family doctor, okay? So I'm putting that right out there. But I can tell you um, that 
they're not all driving around in Lamborghinis and have a beachfront uh, cottage in Muskoka. The challenge becomes then in the province is that... And what I was the question? Well, uh, yeah. the challenge that we see then in Ontario, and I don't have the number right in front of me, but if you combine education and healthcare, it works out to something like 70% of the money that is being spent in this province. And if you then have to start cutting... I'm with you. I don't want healthcare to be cut. I don't want education to be cut. That leaves though 30% of other government stuff that is dear and treasured and clinged to by certain people who ever are involved with those things. And if you get rid of any of that, those people who think that those are essential, absolutely required services are screaming and yelling. There is, we've created, I think we've created a situation where nothing can be cut without massive fights because we have created this situation where we are reliant now on the government to do so much for us. Yeah. So how do you get around that? How do you get around it when every single thing is essential? If we cut... Now, we just had someone today, they were talking at Hamilton City Council. I'm not lobbying for cutting back on libraries, okay? I'm not I'm not in favor of cutting libraries. But that topic, I guess, came up or it was going to be on City Council today. I saw a tweet about it. And the oh, idea was, it, nobody was, reads books anymore. No, 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 no. It was the opposite. It was the opposite that, look, libraries are a great equalizer and we must have libraries. Mm-hmm. I agree with that concept. But, as okay, so we need libraries. We need public outdoor parks that need to be looked after. We need community centers. We need swimming pools. We need skating rinks. We need soccer fields. We need this. The list goes on and on. And anything that you want to cut is positioned as being an attack on someone or hurting someone. So how do you cut it? Well, you've got to get past that. That's all. When you're in a leadership position, you've got to do things that are unpopular sometimes for, for the, for the, for the good of, of the province or the country. You, you just have to do it. And everything, if everything's a priority, you don't have any priorities, right? So, so I think you have to get back to, for lack of a better way of putting it, almost a three R's type of approach to things. You've got to say, this is what, this is what social science says about the well-being of human beings that, that is evidence-based. And you have to make fiscal decisions around that. You've got to say to yourself, okay, if education and healthcare are 70% of the budget, you're not going to be able to get me to believe that there isn't places in both of those categories to cut. That it's just cutting in the right place to the right extent. That's what it is. It's in the, in the case of healthcare, you, you got to take a surgical approach to it. Um, same thing with with education. You can't just, for example, grab the thing on on the paper that looks like it's sucking up the most money and say, "Well, first things first, we're going in here to to cut that by." A certain percentage. You're making a decision in advance. What you got to do is you got to go into those things and ask, all right, is every single dollar we're spending in here, are we getting something back from it? Um, and and then you got to be surgical about it. But, you know, pol- politics being what it is, they don't want to do that because 
that would take too long. It would take too long to do that. And it wouldn't be politically expedient. Well, let me give you another example. And, and, and I don't disagree with you on that point. I don't disagree with you at all on that point that you would like to believe that you can go in and examine. You can have an ethical approach and, to yeah, it. Yeah, but examine every single point. The, the challenge, before I move on to the next point, mm. the challenge is the people who would be qualified to go and start making those decisions are probably people who may, if if you're looking at a surgical unit, well, who know the surgeons may say, well, then they're going to be defensive and protective of their sure. fiefdom. So yeah. it becomes very difficult. But I'll give you another example. Today at City Council and here in Hamilton, they were talking about a lot about transit. That was on the budget talks today. And there were some councillors who it pointed out that the 10-year transit plan was supposed to, by this point, I think we're four or five years in, by this point, we were supposed to have two million more riders a year on HSR buses than we have. That the 10-year plan has brought us up a tiny, tiny, tiny amount. It actually dropped, 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 and then went up again, went up a bit this year. But it's nowhere, it's not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And yet we're, the LRT is a transit. We've talked nothing but LRT. We're talking about putting a billion dollars in. We won't, other counselors don't want to cut the 10 year plan or do anything to it because it's gone up a teeny tiny. And if we cut any transit, Jamie, the poor will suffer. And this is, and, and again, I understand about transit. I'm not, I'm not lobbying for us to get rid of all public transit. But every time you identify something that's not working to its full effect, the default immediate response is the poor will suffer. And if if we can't find anything that we can cut because everything is essential, to me, that tells me a couple things. But one of them is we have created a government that is now out of control, that we cannot do anything about this. We And we've created this ourselves. And that's why I started this thing with how did we years ago, managed to get by without every single one of these services being provided by the government. And we did. Our parents, our grandparents, they got by. We, I don't believe we'd be capable. Uh, we, our generation, our society, I don't believe we would be capable of that now. They got they got by, as I said, because they had a strong, stronger work ethic and they had a, a stronger sense of personal responsibility. And frankly, I think that families were st- were stronger back then. It isn't that families didn't have all kinds of dysfunction. They were or challenges, right? They, I'm sure they had all kinds. But by and large, you had stronger family units, and you had people that were willing to that knew how to stretch a dollar because their parents had come up through the Great Depression. That was quite an education uh, for people on how to stretch uh, a dollar or an apple. Uh, or a piece of chicken, and I'm not kidding, or or half a loaf of bread if you could get your hands on it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, those are lessons that were not uh, lost on, you know, the children that were born of, of the people uh, that came through that time or wartime. So how do we Sometimes, undo that then? How do we undo it? Because if you, we're you ever know, you need to- You need tremendous hardship. I, I actually said that to somebody the other day. I said, you know what we need around here? We need a good Great Depression. We need a good... Heaven forbid, but we, you know, I'm being somewhat facetious here. We need a good war. We need, because it it is, it is through the most troubled and trying times that people learn how to survive and make things go forward. I just on a sidebar, I read a, a thing this week that just shocked me. Maybe you read it as well. It had to do with how much food we waste. 
Yeah. Uh, like on a half. yearly 400 kilograms per person per year. 400 kilograms of food. Now, my wife would say that she's seen me eat. I don't waste that much. I eat everything that's put in front of me. But no, your point is, it, it's, it's, a stunning, it's a stunning thing. I did read that. We, so we, we don't try to do more with less, it, by and large. We are a society of perfectly trained consumers. We have been trained by big corporations to spend and spend and spend and consume and consume and consume. We've not, we've, we don't even teach fiscal responsibility in school. We don't teach kids what, what a real value well, of no. a dollar is. We and don't teach them how to make change. We don't tell them how to transact, um, how to separate wants from needs. Because, we, because the people in charge don't know themselves. I would add, I, when you say we've been trained by the big corporations, that's true. I would also include government in there. I think that, and, and I count that as a, the biggest corporation, that there is... Corporations want us to be reliant on their product and government 100%. and government wants us to be reliant on the government because if you start cutting back, that's jobs and that's power that goes with what government, <laughs> even the ones that argue for smaller government, what government has ever reduced its own power? Exactly. And be, and as you said, behold, being beholding, beholden to government gives them tremendous power. It's tremendous leverage. If they know that you need them and that you're turning to them. It's total leverage. So do, I would argue, it's my belief that we need, we can't afford to do this forever. We need to change that. Other people may say, no, that's fine. Eventually, I don't mind if the government is what we all lean on for all of our needs. I, I'm, I'm terrified of that, quite frankly. But how, it, how do we slow the encroach of government in all these different ways that if if we now, if, if, if we've created this thing where our kids and our grandkids now are going to be saying, yeah, I'm going to get my, my um, activities, my hockey, whatever, my baseball, that's going to be paid by the government. It's going to be free. And my library is free. And my, this is free. And my healthcare is free. And my school is free. And I want free education in post-secondary. And I want, if we've made every, how do we undo that? Because it's a psychological thing now. We've trained people to expect that everything is going to be free. Uh, again, I and nothing know, is ever I, free. I don't know what the big big answer is, but I, I just I just know that if there's if there are any if there are any people out there listening anymore who agree with my position on personal responsibility and a stronger overall work ethic, then I think that's it. And and maybe maybe it's the personal responsibility piece first. Like you you But how do you do that? How do you, uh, and I'm not being funny, I'm not you being You do facetious. it by living, you do it by living it and, and letting. But and let, every time you try to demand that someone have personal responsibility, we see that there is an arbitrator. We we just talked about it this week with the nurse in Waterloo. Every, it seems that every time you would look at a clear cut case where personal responsibility, it's right there. It has to be personal responsibility. Someone comes forward and says, oh, don't worry about it. You were a victim. I don't know how you undo it when that is now seems to be the underlying basis of everything well, we do. Well, then start by getting rid of uh, the 800 million um, adjudicating uh, entities that are out there, bo- boards that 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 adjudicate 
matters. Uh, there's probably way too many of them with too many yahoos on them right. that, are, that are on them uh, because they want to look good on a resume or they want to tell right. their neighbor but that. But the only way to get rid of the adjudicators is to have some adjudicator rule on that. <laughs> like, as I'm saying, I'm not I'm not trying to be funny, but it seems... No, it's now, a tough... It seems you're trying now, to get me to do a Rubik's Cube here, man, in well, 15 minutes. I can't created, do it. No, we've created this you're scenario where you can't now untangle the rope. The rope is too tangled up, it seems. Oh, it is. To say, we can peel this off. So, so agree or disagree with the Ontario government that's in power right now, or whatever government's going to come, any government that says, okay, we have to start cutting, I don't know how you do this when, as I go back to the point, when every single thing that you would want to cut becomes a massive fight and a massive problem, and every single thing... There are plenty of people saying you can't do that because blah, blah, blah. You got to go back to meat and potatoes. Although the Canada food guide this week yes. says you're not supposed to do no, that. You're, you're supposed to have half vegetables. Kale and tofu. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and nuts and, and water. Could you imagine, <laughs> by the way, when Super Bowl Sunday, if someone gave you a plate that looked like that? <laughs> have these tofu nachos. Punch them in the face. <laughs> no, bring me bacon and wings. But... <laughs> But you've got to go back. You've got to go back to basics. Okay, let's let's just say that you know what are the basics. What are the basics of survival for an individual for a family living in Ontario? That's what you have to start. So, what are the basics that a government? You're right. I I that I agree with you a thousand percent. Lose the frills if we can't afford them. And do, so, what are the basics? Yeah. What are the so, basics that so a government should be doing? Food, shelter, uh. Food, shelter, clothing goes, goes along with that. The clothing, I don't think, is an issue because there's tons of it everywhere and it's never been cheaper. Uh, food, food, shelter, clothing, health care, education. That's it. You, you need an education. You need, you need health care. You need those things. So, so in, in order to get those, I, I, this is going to open up a whole other can of worms. You need a living wage. You know, when, ev when everybody went bananas... When the minimum wage went to, what was it, 14? 14 and change? And that it was supposed to go to 15 and the Ford government said, we're out. Well, you know what? The world did not end when that minimum wage went to 14. All those coffee shops are still open and they're still employing people. And people are, are making uh, a living wage. <clears throat> I disagree with the government ending the pilot program into... Uh, subsidized minimum annual salary or, or, or income. I think that that's an experiment that needed to continue so that we could really see whether it worked or not. That was an important question to be asked and and supported to see. They needed to give that more time. I, there are employers out there that I've heard from personally in recent weeks who are saying, "You know what? We're going to 15 anyway," because because we've we're getting we're getting staffers here that want to stay that want to work for us, that are, are loyal and are happier. Sorry. Can I take a break? Let me ask you one thing, though, just about that living wage idea, because I've talked to Tom Cooper in, in here, and you know Tom's a passionate guy about it. He's spoken to Bill Kelly many times. My one question that I asked him one time, and, and if we had stayed with the living wage and run that experiment through, and I... Mm, and then you found out in two years when the pilot project time expired, this is not working or we're going to cancel it then. then you would that have been, but would that have been any better? Because I think the argument and the answer would have been the exact same thing. You've now pulled the rug out from under me. The, this, is the, this is the difficulty with, as soon as you start something, 
you have to leave it. Well, I think... And that's that's the problem with all the programs we're talking about. When you start it and now you give people this free thing, you can't pull it back. Here's the thing. The minimum wage thing is different than that that pilot program we're talking about, right? Okay, so the minimum wage thing, if that isn't working... You're, you're going to know about it because the market is is going to take care of that, plain and simple. The fact is, businesses raised their prices on a double-double by a dime or whatever it is all the way. Nobody even notices, but, but the people working for that money notice a big difference. And everybody around them, their children, everybody else connecting them notices a difference. Now, they're working harder. They're more loyal. They're feeling better about themselves. Now we're getting into the whole, we're back to that whole standing on your own two feet work ethic thing. Now they feel like they have an opportunity to do better for themselves. Oh my goodness. I'm not saying everybody would because, and that's the same anywhere. But a lot of those people are are going to look at this and think, you know what? I've, I can I can live with this wage. My goodness, this is a lot more money than I was making before. I can have a better life. And they won't take it for granted. But it's because they were down here and now they've come up a bit that they realize, just like the people in the Great Depression who were down here and then the Great Depression ended and happy days started to come back again. Remember when Hamilton had all those factories? That was a long time ago. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.